the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Attorney Bob Bergman broadcasting from my palatial office in San Jose, California. Palatial is kind of a little bit silly. It's a nice office, pretty modest, though. And um, I wanted to let you all know um, I am broadcasting live today. If you're listening to this at a later time, then you're listening to a recording. But I am broadcasting live today. Want to let you all know, um, I did go away last week. Uh, you, you listened to a replay last Friday. I was away with my family in Southern California. We went down to the San Diego area just so we could get out of the Bay Area for a while. We hadn't been away for um, since February, the last time we'd gone out of the area. We went down and uh, checked out the San Diego Zoo which was uh, pretty phenomenal. Never been there before. We spent some time going to Legoland, where my kids used to love to go up till about five years ago. But we went there because they had opened up the Legoland Cities portion of Legoland. If you've ever been there, you know what I'm talking about. They take famous cities like Vegas and D.C. and New York City and San Francisco and New Orleans and they render a lot of landmarks uh, with Lego. It's tens of millions of Legos went into building those attractions. We were able to go in there just by purchasing $25 worth of Lego things from the Lego store there, and a party of four can go in uh, with that as the cost of admission. We also got a chance to go down to Old Town, the historic park down in San Diego, where my daughters had a chance to <clears throat> to get together and meet a uh, a boy that they had become friends with online playing Roblox. I don't know if you have kids that play Roblox, but they have a bunch of friends from around the country from the last two years. They chat online. They've gotten to know each other. So they got a chance to meet this person, and uh, they spent about three hours sitting on the lawn just talking about all kinds of things. It was very, very good for my children's spirits to be able to um, interact with another human being about their age and just talk about uh, life and things like that. I know it was good for my wife and I to see their spirits lifted. And uh, we actually came back from the trip uh, rested and uh, somewhat refreshed, which is not always the case when we come back from vacation because we vacation very hard. As an aside, on the way down, we stopped at downtown Disney, 
which is um, parts of it are open for business. You can you can dine there. The Disney store is open. A couple of the other stores are open. And uh, we went there just to reconnect with Disneyland. We lost a Disneyland vacation uh, back in July that we weren't able to go on. So being able to go by there uh, was a feeling of semi-normalcy. Uh, um, even though the park itself was not open, and you could stand outside and kind of look in and see how empty it is, uh, downtown Disney was open, parking was free, and um, and it was kind of good to be there. and helped us get a little more grounded. So if you're looking for some place to take the kids and you realize there's really no place to go around here, consider San Diego. Um, free plug here, we stayed at a, a little boutique hotel called the West in in uh, Carlsbad uh, it's set up for families um, and um, it's actually very reasonably priced right now so if you're uh, looking at going down there that's about a half an hour from all the attractions in San Diego and it, uh, it's also near uh, outlets it's near a lot of restaurants so uh, you'll be taken care of very well there at the West End they're, they're very nice people there and they really care about their um, their guests at the hotel. So, I've been doing a lot of work in the courts lately. <clears throat> uh, a lot of uh, you've heard about it over the years. Um, I do work uh, what are called Hegstat petitions and trust modification petitions. That aspect of my practice has basically exploded in the last month, as I'm getting contacted by um, by attorneys. And, uh, and others from all around the state of California to assist them with that. Um, it has become such a major part of my business that I have formally decided that I'm not taking on any new trust or probate administration business in my practice unless it comes from an existing client or as a referral from an existing client. This is because um, I have a lot less time to work on things like that. I don't have a staff to work on things like that. So I'm focusing my energies instead on uh, working with families, do their foundational estate planning, and then working with others going to court, solving uh, problems through the probate court for various families around the state. So my practice is evolving, and um, and I am stepping away from a lot of the day-to-day -day hourly work that I used to do quite a bit of. So just to let you all know, um, I'm no longer taking on new trust or probate administration clients, at least for the foreseeable future. That may change in the future if I expand my office and add staff back in, which I do not have right now. So continuing on with the with my usual format for the show, I'm going to cover questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, you can always call in if you have a question for me. It's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Feel free to give me a call if you'd like to talk on the air about something. But uh, barring that, I will go on with some questions and comments from around the state of California. Now here is... Um, flip here. Okay, here is someone that's asking, it's not strictly an estate planning question, but it kind of is. 
A person said, uh, my father was in a nursing home, received medical care from an outside source. I was not aware of this, nor do I remember authorizing it. I received a bill today, and this was like first part of August this year, with date of service as November of 2017. So that's almost three years ago. Father passed December of 2018, which means roughly a year after the service was rendered and coming up on two years since the father passed away. Um, now, we're in, it says we're in California because there was there's no money in dad's estate. Am I responsible for the bill? Also, is it legal to send a bill over two years from date of service? Well, as far as the latter, you can send a bill whenever you want. It doesn't mean that the bill can be collected. It also doesn't mean that the person you send it to has any obligation to pay the bill anymore. Uh, there are things called statutes of limitations, which uh, which is the time period during which you have to take some kind of legal action in order to enforce an obligation of some kind or collect on or try to collect on monies that you think are owed to you. But the bottom line is if there was no money in the father's estate, then then there there's no money. Um, it doesn't mean that the family now is obligated to pay the bill if the bill was incurred on behalf of the father and there's nothing in the estate. So the short answer is likely no. Um, there is no um, there there is no obligation to pay this bill because there is uh, there's no money to pay it with and no money in the estate. Okay, here's an interesting question. I know this kind of thing comes up probably fairly frequently. Parent passes away, leaves a, a house to be split between the children. In this case, five children in equal shares. Um, and the question is, can the beneficiary that lives in the house be evicted? Now, the trustee, presumably one of the children, did not inform two of the beneficiaries that she planned to sell the house, and now it's in escrow. Okay, so let's step back right here. That's a very stupid move on the part of a trustee to just list a property, sell it without talking with or communicating in any way with the, the beneficiaries of the trust. Um, now, we're coming up on the end of the first segment here. I'm going to continue after the break uh, and finish up this story. But if you want to call, it's 800-516-1220. But... After the break, we'll continue on with this story, which comes out of Los Angeles, California. So we'll talk with you then. This is attorney Bob Brigman, and we'll get back after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So before the break, I was talking about a situation, in this case out of Los Angeles, where um, a parent passed away and left a property, um, presumably a house, to be divided between five children in equal shares. One of the children is the trustee um, of the parent's trust and apparently went ahead and sold the house and it's now in escrow and didn't bother to tell two of the beneficiaries that she planned to sell the house and that it's now in escrow. Trust stated that she had to inform the beneficiaries if she believed it was in the best interest of the beneficiaries to sell the property. Apparently, that was not done at all. 
The other three beneficiaries who were informed are successor trustees and also daughters of the trustee, okay? So um, now the trustee wants to evict the beneficiary that was never informed, but that beneficiary does not want to sell the house. Trustee has locked the beneficiary out of the house on two separate occasions, removed all belongings, threw them outside of the house, uh, broke his electronics, tore up his clothes, poured white paint on his belongings, and has told two of the beneficiaries they're not getting a penny from the estate. So the question is, can the trustee evict the beneficiary? Uh, yes, if the beneficiary is living in the property um, and everyone wants to sell the property and the property gets sold and that person refuses to move, they can be evicted. But there's more serious issues here. Uh, the trustee, it sounds like, has completely, utterly violated the trust law and violated the rights of the beneficiary and has also ignored legal obligations as a trustee to act fairly with the beneficiaries and to look out for the interests of the beneficiaries even over and above the trustee's own interests. So this is the kind of situation where if it came into my office, I would immediately refer the person to a colleague of mine locally who specializes in trust disputes because this trustee probably should be removed as the trustee of the trust because the trustee apparently is acting in complete and total um, repudiation of the terms of the trust and the trust law. And the court would very likely return the, uh, remove the trustee, rather, as the trustee of the trust for this kind of action that's being taken. Okay, so here, uh, we've got another one here. Um, successor trustee to my father's trust has angrily and verbally stated to a relative, not to a beneficiary, that she's going to sell all of the figurines and collectibles that my father owned in a pawn shop for money and keep the money to herself. Can she do this? Well, I think you all know the answer to that. The answer is she may have the power to do that, but she has no right to do that. She may have the right to sell these things, but certainly not keep the money to herself. And so a trustee has power typically to buy, sell, rent, lease, or refinance real or personal property held by the trustee uh, for the trust. But that doesn't mean the person has the right to sell that property and pocket the proceeds. That is called conversion. It could be embezzlement, depending on uh, the amount. It could very well rise to the level of a criminal offense. Uh, because a trustee is acting in the capacity of a fiduciary, meaning someone who has legal obligations to look out for the interests of the beneficiary. And if they're selling things like this and pocketing the money, they're clearly not looking out for the interests of the beneficiary. And um, that is not permissible under the trust law. Okay, here's someone who wants to know, um, I'm getting inherited property that came in from a trust. Can I keep it from entering my estate while using the income and passing it to my children? The property is income-producing stocks and was inherited in a trust. Okay, well, then that means if you inherited it through a trust, it's already in your estate. <laughs> okay, 
Um, person wants to control the property while alive, have access to income as desired, then pass the accounts to children in trust where they have the same rights. Um, depending, if it was left in trust for this person, then it may or may not be part of their estate at death for purposes of assessing an estate tax. Depends on how the parent's trust was originally drafted. If it left the property in trust for a child, then it may very well be that it's not the child's property for any purpose at the child's death, and it could pass on to the grandchildren in a similar fashion. I do that type of planning uh, regularly for clients. It's called generation skipping transfer planning. I call it the Castle Trust. Those of you who've been listening for a while, you've heard me talk about the Castle Trust and Castle Trust planning and how it can be used to provide asset protection for the uh, child, for the inheritance the child is going to receive and get the benefit of for life. And then often it can be passed on to the next generation after that in a similar fashion, providing, again, asset protection for that person for their lifetime. Um, But without actually seeing the trust, it's almost impossible to tell whether or not that's in fact the type of trust that's involved here that would be um, that would enable this person to accomplish what they wish, which is to get the use and benefit of the property for life and then pass it on to the children. Uh, in this case, the grandchildren of the original owner of the property. Now here, here's one out of San Francisco, and and you can tell the you can tell there's a lot of uh, probably bad blood in this relationship. Uh, This person said, I'm not on good terms with my mother's husband. Sounds like uh, stepdad. In her trust, I inherit her house and all its contents, and her husband, presently living with her, inherits another house. Upon my mother's demise, can I immediately take possession, move in, and immediately evict the husband? I want to prevent possible theft. Hmm. Well, if the husband's living there, um, your mother passes away, that husband, your stepfather, is a what's called a tenant at will. He has no right to stay there. He has no right to pay rent and stay there. But he is still a tenant of the property. You can't just move in and take possession and immediately evict. You're going to have to go through. If he won't voluntarily move out, you're going to have to go through the legal process to evict him from the property. In this time of COVID... That might be kind of difficult to do because depending on where you live, there may be restrictions in place for evictions of people from property. So it's kind of hard to say how might that might all pan out. But uh, certainly at some point you'd be able to evict the stepfather and take possession of the property. Um, so coming up on the uh, end of the second segment of our show today, you can call me if you'd like, 800-516-1220. You could also email me at radio at lawbob.com if you would like to send me a message that way. But uh, we'll be coming back after the break, and I'll continue with some more questions and comments from around the state of California. So when we come back, this is Attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio. We'll continue after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. 
on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. So, uh, I'm going to continue on with more questions and comments from around the state of California. And uh, here's one out of Coto de Casa. I'm not sure where that is. Um, <clears throat> I've lived here a long time in California, but I'm sure there's lots of communities that I've never visited and that I've never heard of before. So this person is saying, <clears throat> uh, my living trust was created many years ago as an ABC trust. You're going to find out what that means. It states that upon the death of the first grantor or settlor, the trustee shall divide the trust estate into three separate trusts designated survivor's trust, often the A trust, marital deduction trust, often a C trust, and the exemption trust, the B trust. I don't have a lot of assets and don't need this complexity. Now, when this person's saying, I don't, I don't, I'm assuming they mean we don't, because this type of trust is created by a couple, not by an individual. So, let's go on. It said, we'd like all assets to go to the surviving settlor, no separate or irrevocable trusts. How do we change the existing trust without revoking and creating a new trust? Well, basically what you do is what's called an amendment and restatement of the original trust. And what we do as estate planning practitioners is we take the original trust name and date, especially if, if it likely owns property titled that way, and we create a whole new trust document with all the changes that you want to have made, including in this case, simplifying the trust, but it still has the original name and date it was created, but now it indicates that it's a restatement dated the more recent date. So we replace the original trust document with a new trust document. We typically also do new wills at the same time <clears throat> uh, called pour over wills uh, because a, a will can only refer to a legal document that exists at the time the will is signed. So if you have amended a trust or if you have restated it, then the question becomes, is that amended or restated trust the same document that was in existence when the original will was signed? Some would say eh, pretty much the same thing. I take a more conservative approach and I say, no, it's not the same document. So we update and do a new pour over will uh, to coordinate with the changes that were made. Another question that came up in this was, the trust authorizes the trustees to make distribution of income on behalf for the benefit of the settlers during their joint lives. Would banks accept a trustee acting on behalf of the settlers? The answer is absolutely yes. If the settlers had appointed, say, a child to be the trustee for them, then, of course, a bank would accept the child as trustee if they were, in fact, named as a trustee by the owners of the account. So, uh, and, and that's actually fairly common, especially as people get older. They will often bring in uh, perhaps uh, uh, an older child or a niece or a nephew or a younger brother or sister or someone like that to act as the trustee for them and handle day-to-day -day things for them because either they see that they're starting to become less capable of doing that 
or they're tired of doing that, or they just need someone to handle things for them because it will make their life a little bit easier if someone else is doing um, all of the legwork on things. Okay, now here's um, here's a question out of Rolling Hills Estate, and and it's one that I know comes up fairly frequently after a parent's died, and there's a house, and there's more than one beneficiary inheriting that house, and then someone, one of the, the children, wants to buy the house. And the question is, can we buy the house, or can I buy the house, and how do I keep the existing property tax base on the house that the parent owned. This is a very, very complex, uh, simple question, complex answer. If you have, say in this case, we've got someone, there's three siblings that each inherited uh, equal shares from their mother who died. One of them is living in the house, which is the only asset that mom had. She wants to avoid an increase in property taxes in the transaction. Well, the only way, literally the only way, um, because there's only the house and the trust, there's not other assets that could be used to offset uh, the value of the two siblings that are to be bought out, because it's just there. The only way to avoid a reassessment of the property tax for the two-thirds interest held by the two siblings who are going to be bought out would be for the trust to apply for a loan in the amount of that two-thirds interest of the two siblings to be bought out, then have the house sold to or transferred to the one who wants to buy it who then takes over the loan and gets their own loan. So now they have a two-thirds loan on that house while the other siblings get cash instead of an interest in the real estate. If that's done in most counties, not all necessarily, um, if it's structured properly, there will not be a reassessment of the property taxes because the property will be treated as passing 100% to the child that wants to own it and uh, with cash going to the children who are not receiving an interest in the real estate. Like I said, this is very complicated and just like many of the things they show you on TV, uh, professional driver on closed course, do not attempt. Um, you know, you don't jump off the top of the, the roof of the house with a sheet and pretend you're Superman. And this is one of those situations where you should never, and I repeat, never try to do this without competent legal counsel and, and also um, a competent lender that you can work with to accomplish this. I've done it successfully a couple of times with clients uh, where they have done it the right way. I'll tell you if you do it the wrong way, then the interest of the siblings that is being bought out will be reassessed and of course if it's a very expensive property in a very expensive area that means that the property taxes are going to probably go way up maybe by thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars a year and of course the property taxes going up like that means you're paying those extra thousands every year after that as long as you own the property so a mistake here could end up costing 
um, could end up costing tens of thousands of dollars over the lifetime of that property in increased property taxes if it's not done correctly. Okay, now here's a question out of San Diego. Is it possible to liquidate all assets of a person before that person dies if you have their power of attorney? Okay, so uh, are we talking about selling every someone's property before they died and then giving it away to somebody else? Uh, that would probably be illegal. If, if it was an older person, it's probably elder financial abuse. Um, I guess they're asking, would a will still have to go through probate if the person died and didn't own anything anymore? Um, <laughs> I... I don't know. I don't know that that's really the question that they were asking there. Uh, I think they were um, they're asking if there's a power of attorney and someone dies, can the power of attorney be used to liquidate the assets without going through probate? And the answer is no, because a power of attorney authority ends the moment that a person dies. Uh, the authority under that power of attorney doesn't exist anymore. And if they have sufficient assets in their estate or payable to their estate, and the if the total value is greater than $166,250, which is the actual dollar amount, then what will happen is you will have to go through probate. Now, you avoid all this if you have a trust that owns the property. I mean, I, I bring this up over and over again. Uh, people who are trying to pass estates using their wills, if they have too much property, they're just triggering problems for their family. Um, you don't want to go through probate. You especially don't want to go through probate now in this time period because everything in the courts has been slowed down dramatically. Um, it's worse in some counties, but even in Santa Clara County, where I practice here, they have suffered cuts to the staffing in the court system. I found out the other day that of five file clerks in the probate department, four were laid off by the court system. Fifty employees of our court system in Santa Clara County have been laid off because of budget cuts. Um, this is a function of just the, the state in budgetary trouble dealing with COVID-19 and everything else. And it means that the court systems have slowed down even more. Uh, for example, today is three weeks since I filed a matter electronically with my probate court here in Santa Clara County to get a hearing date set for a Hegstat petition, which has to be a noticed hearing in this particular case. I still have not received any confirmation that my petition has been accepted for filing, a case number assigned, and a court date assigned. And I have no idea when I'm going to get that information. Meanwhile, my client's wondering, when's it going to be? And I say, I have no idea. I now know there is one clerk, one file clerk working in the probate department with assistance from a file clerk um, borrowed from the civil division of the court. So stay out of probate right now if you can. It's just not working well for people. So... This is the third uh, break of the show coming up today. When we come back, I'll finish out the show with a few more questions and comments and some final thoughts. This is Attorney Bob Bergman. We'll talk with you after the break. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with Attorney Bob Bergman. 
Hi, welcome back. I have uh, just a couple more questions and comments to deal with, and then we'll uh, we'll talk about some other things before we close out the show today. Um, First of all, I I want to say to all of you out there, um, it is good to be back on the air. We're getting a little bit more normalcy around here, but it it still is unnerving to me to go out and see everybody walking around with masks on. It, um, uh, I'm hopeful that as a country, we'll be able to get back to a point where that's not necessary anymore. Uh, we're getting some encouraging news that uh, there are a number of different companies working on vaccines that that are now in testing phases, and we may end up with several different vaccine choices, um, maybe even before the end of the year. Um, uh, I may be going ahead and getting a flu vaccine this year, which is something I generally don't do. Um, I just make sure that I'm, you know, careful with with how I go around and uh, careful that I, you know, wash my hands frequently. I was doing that before all of this, and I think that's still one of the most effective ways to avoid picking up or transmitting things like this um, to yourself or to someone else is to make sure you wash your hands uh, thoroughly. But um, I will say this, and that is that um, I am just, I'm looking forward to having um, our our state and our country back uh, to a somewhat normal, some, something that we can all be familiar with and all get behind. Um, I, I see the effects of this on my children uh, who are uh, young. They're 12. They're going into seventh grade starting next week. And, uh, and I know that it's very, very hard on them because they really, really miss spending time with their friends. They can chat with them. They can play games online with them. But it's just not the same thing as being there in person. So um, I'm hopeful that uh, maybe we can arrange some meetups in the school year here where we get together with some of their friends at a park and practice social distancing, wear a mask, but they can at least talk and uh, and interact with each other. Because I know uh, how important it is at, um, at this age, age 12 going into seventh grade, and those years, middle school years and the high school years, how formative they are for uh, for children with socialization and and uh, just learning those skills on how to interact with each other, to to interact with the opposite gender, uh, all those kinds of things are are uh, very important at this age, and I just hope that kids can get back to that as soon as possible, being safe, of course. But still, getting back to where they can actually be um, kids again and interact with each other as kids. So, um, I have a couple, like I indicated, I have a couple more questions and comments. Um, here's one out of Los Angeles. It says, um, we have recorded an irrevocable trust on our property. I think what they mean is we have created an irrevocable trust and put a property into it. On the grantee, it shows that we grant to the irrevocable trust. 
is this the correct way to record the grant deed or should it show the grantee to be the beneficiary? Well, first of all, you never really put the beneficiary on on the grant of property unless it's being distributed to the beneficiary from a trust. Uh, you would have, uh, you'd record it in the name of the trustee of the irrevocable trust, trustee of the trust, like John Smith, trustee of the Smith family irrevocable trust. So, so that's. Um, that is how you would normally record that. You would not show uh, the grantee of the tr- of the trust, presumably the person who's going to ultimately receive the property or get the benefit of the property. Um, they ask a follow-up question. <clears throat> if a landlord was to take our house for not paying rent, can they take the property with the irrevocable trust on file? I'm not sure how to answer that because there's not enough information at all. One quick one before we uh, wrap it up for today. If a trust is created with no assets funded into it, does the property go into the trust through the pour over will or would the property be transferred through intestate succession? Well, technically, a trust created with nothing in it doesn't really exist. But if it was created and there's a pour over will, then the pour over will would likely be used to get someone's property into their trust that was already in existence. Um, that is a classic situation for a Hegstat petition, which is something I do regularly. And, um, and it could certainly work to get that trust funded after someone has died. Okay, so we got about a minute to go today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. I hope you picked up a few things and learned a few things today. I want to let you know you can always contact me at radio at lawbob.com if you have a question. Uh, You can also contact me if you want to have someone do estate planning for you or if you have one of those Hegstat situations with loose property outside of a trust or if you have a trust that's irrevocable and you think maybe changes should be made. So until next week, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your Estate Radio, and I'm wishing you and yours a great weekend. It's very hot out there. But this might be one of those days to go to the beach. Talk with you next week. Goodbye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.